Welcome to day three of our look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and daily drive time devotions, verses 9 to 12 today. We are talking this week about excellence in your faith. And you might be thinking, well, I thought this was going to be a talk about spiritual excellence, things like Bible reading and prayer and sharing your faith. That's what we naturally think of when we think of spirituality and spiritual growth. And of course, Bible reading and prayer and sharing your faith are part of living out the disciplines of the Christian life. But if you really want to be excellent in your faith, then you've got to live it out in the everyday places of life. So yesterday we talked about what you think and how you treat your body. That has to do with living an excellent faith. What you think about sexuality and sex, that has to do with living an excellent faith. And today, as we look at these verses, we're going to be looking at how you handle your job. Our sexual life and our work life, that's a lot of our life. Now, I'm not going to ask how many times you've thought about the Bible today compared to how many times you've thought about sex or work. It, it would be an interesting answer, but I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> the point is, if I don't understand how God's a part of every part of my life, I'm not going to be growing as he wants me to grow. And verses 9 to 12 talk about our work life, beginning with talk about loving one another. Let me begin reading in verse 9. Now, about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. And yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. There again in verse 10 are those words more and more again. This time applied to your job. More and more excellent, more and more growth. How do you handle your job? That's the question here. Some people think that they can somehow separate their Christian life from their work life. It's absolutely impossible. Paul in this passage talks about the attitude towards your job that makes all the difference between excellence and mediocrity at your work, in your spirituality at work. The attitude, Paul says here, that leads to excellence in your work is ambition. Make it your ambition, he says. Now, when we think ambition, we think reach the top. We think climb the ladder. We think attain the best. We think have the drive that pushes us towards personal productivity and success. And all those thoughts, they have nothing at all to do with what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about an entirely different kind of ambition, an entirely different kind of achievement. In fact, as you first read it, it doesn't sound ambitious at all. Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business, and to work with your own hands. Now, does that surprise you a little bit? Paul writes, and he gives them an ambition that any Christian, any day, could live up to. Every believer in every age and every country in the world today cannot have the ambition to be the CEO of a corporation. And the Bible's not going to tell us to have an ambition that not everybody could reach. But every believer in every age and every country of the world today can have this ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind to attend your own business, to work with your own hands. Now, it may sound simple, but these are very, very deep phrases about the kind of person that you are. This ambition to lead a quiet life, that has the idea of being someone you can count on. There are some people, they are all noise and excitement, but you know you can't depend on them when it comes right down to it. Paul is saying, don't be like that. When he talks about attending to your own business, he's saying, first, don't be meddling in other people's business, and then make sure you get your own work done. It's pretty simple stuff, but it shows the kind of character that you have. And when he talks about working with your own hands, 
Paul here is not condemning poverty in which people who want to work can't find work. He's condemning those for whom work is available, and they choose not to do it. He's saying simple work with your own hands. There is an excellence in that not to miss. In fact, let me tell you what was happening in Thessalonica. They had heard the story that Jesus was coming again, and they believed the truth that Jesus was coming again. And because of this, they thought, you know, I don't like the job I'm in much. In fact, I don't like it at all. Jesus is coming again. He's coming soon. I've got a little saved up. I'm in this church where everybody loves each other. There's some other people in the church that could probably carry me for a little while. I've got enough money. We've got enough money together to make it through. So I'm going to, I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come again. If I have to wait for him to come again, why shouldn't I enjoy the waiting? And so because they quit their jobs, they became lazy. And when they had too much spare time, they began to gossip. Now, we're going to come back to this again when we study 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 11 of that chapter says, We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. So Paul says it's an important ambition to work, daily work, even routine work, as he's talking about here. There's an ambition behind that. Why is it so important? Two things he talks about here. First, it gives a good witness to the world. And second, it keeps you healthy and well-grounded. First, it gives a good witness to the world. Paul says, so that your daily life might win the respect of outsiders. He's saying a lazy Christian is a bad witness. That's what he's saying. When believers feed off of everybody else and don't work when you have the opportunity, it's a bad witness. The world looks at those kind of believers and says, you know, I wonder if they're a believer out of genuine faith or are they just in it for the free lunch? That is a good, healthy skepticism when they ask that question. And Paul says, I want all of you. If you get the chance, if you have the opportunity, get out there and work. Lead the kind of life that God wants you to live. It makes you a good witness. Now, you can probably fairly quickly think of someone in your life who at work was an incredible witness to the quiet life that they lived, the fact that they just did their job and did it well. Through the kind of attitude that they had towards others as they did that job, you could see Christ in them. They weren't a gossip. They worked hard. And you and other people knew that it was because they had a relationship with God, a relationship with Christ. In fact, this person that you're thinking of might even be the person who led you to a relationship with Christ because you watched what they did and it changed your life. That's what Paul is talking about here. Be that kind of person. And as you are, recognize God is working through you and you are changing people's lives in ways that you don't even recognize. It's a good witness to the world to have this ambition. And he says it also keeps you healthy and well-grounded. He says, so that you don't have to depend on anyone. Now, he's not talking about spiritual interdependence here, the fellowship that we have in a small group as we pray for each other. He's talking about you not working and making someone else earn money for your food and your shelter when you could earn it yourself. Don't make someone else do that, he's saying. If you get away from the routine of work, he's saying here, you get in trouble. So work, work with your hands. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different ways to work with your hands, whether it's on a keyboard or whether it's out in construction, you can be working with your hands, whether it's managing people or whether it's uh, working in a place where you don't see people much during the day, you can work with your hands, get the stuff done that needs to get done. There are all kinds of different ways to work, different kinds of work, but Paul is saying here, stay involved in life and in work. And even if you quote unquote retire, make sure that you're still involved in meaningful work because that is healthy and it keeps you well-grounded. 
He's saying that you have to have something you can invest your life in. And one of the ways we invest our life is the work that we do with our hands day to day. If you don't have that, Paul says, you become a busybody because you don't have anything else to do. Do you remember the story of King David in the Old Testament? The sexual sin that he got involved in with a woman named Bathsheba? The Bible says that this happened, quote, in a time when kings go off to war. In that time, David was back at home, not where he should be, not doing the work that he was supposed to be doing, not protecting his country. In the time when he was supposed to be out defending his country, he said, I've got other people to do that. So he didn't get involved. He took an early retirement, and that had him sitting on a rooftop, didn't have anything else to do, and he sees a woman taking a bath. He shouldn't even have been there. He wouldn't even have been tempted if he'd been busy doing what God had given him to do. Now, all of us, all of us have felt the weariness that comes from work, the drudgery of the day to day to day. You might be feeling it right now, but don't lose sight of the blessing of work. Even in difficult, even in monotonous work, there is a blessing. It keeps you connected to reality. It keeps you from just becoming a, a commentator on life. It keeps you real as a person. And that's what God wants us to be. People who have an excellent faith, they have to have a real faith, a genuine faith. And Paul says that one of the values of the work that God has given us to do is it keeps us real to the people around us. You want to be excellent? These first several verses of First Thessalonians chapter 4 say, if I want to be excellent, if I want to live and grow more and more, then excellence is built in everyday places. Sex and work. Excellence is built on everyday decisions. Don't be lustful. Don't be lazy. Instead, be holy and be ambitious. Excellence is built out of the everyday. Well, let me just think about that with you for a minute through the excellent lives of faith in the Bible. Think about David. He did have a sin in his life, but much of his life he lived with excellence. The excellence that David had to defeat a Goliath was built out of the strength that he had gained in his year upon year upon year of being a shepherd every day. Or think about Joseph in the Old Testament. The excellence for being a leader in Egypt was built out of serving the Lord as a slave in Egypt for 13 years every day. Or Joshua, that great general of the people of Israel. His excellence as a military leader was built on humbly serving with Moses during the entire exodus and wilderness wandering every day day. Or Paul, his excellent service for God was built out of a 14-year desert exile in which he learned from the Lord every day. Those who've learned to attain excellence have determined that they will be willing to commit themselves even in the routine, even in the details, every day. Let's pray together. And you may need to pray, Lord, I have been separating my work life from my Christian life. I seem to forget about you during those 8 or 10 or 12 hours of the day. I want to live my faith there, at my job, in my work. Teach me how. Instead of just being ambitious for my success, I want to be ambitious to be the kind of person in my work that shows people what you are like. That is my highest ambition. Jesus, with all my heart, I want to live out an excellent faith in these practical areas of life. And I look forward to what you're going to do in me. I'm not depending on myself or my strength for this to happen. I come to you, Jesus Christ, recognizing your Holy Spirit in my life. And with all that I know, I depend on you in this moment for this to happen. In Jesus' name, amen.
These next few days, we'll be talking together about what the last part of this chapter has to teach us about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Some of the clearest teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ anywhere in the Bible is in this last part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 